Guys, it's so good to see you this morning. Welcome to Better Life Church. Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? You make a little bit of noise. We want to welcome you for visiting with us. If you're first time, first time in a long time, if you're watching online, thank you so much for, for part three of this finale of Supernatural. We're going to have a good time this morning, so come on, let's just jump in and pray and ask God to do something great. And only, Let's ask God to do what only He can do, and that's open our hearts and open our minds to the teaching of His Word. So come on, Father, thank you so much for all you do. Holy Spirit, we are so thankful that you're in this place. God, we ask you to have your way amongst your people. Move, open our eyes, help us see your son Jesus. Speak to us this morning as we finish up this series called Supernatural. And God, I know that you know every one of our hearts. You know our circumstances, our situations. You know what keeps us up at night. You know what makes us anxious. You know what makes us fearful. You know, while uh, we're depressed, and God, we come here this morning, and we're just going to lay it all to you. We have nothing to hide because you know all things. You know our problems in our marriage. You know problems with our parents. You know problems with our finances. You know problems with our addictions. You know problems in our relationships. You know the problems that I face at work. And for the next few moments, Father, we just come in and lay them before you, asking you, God, to speak to us. So that when we leave this place, that we will leave this place changed because we've been in your presence and the Holy Spirit has spoken to us. We love you, Jesus, for it's your name we ask and we pray. Come on now. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you so much, worship team. You may be seated. Look at the person beside you. Say, you look good today. Tell them, say, you look good today. Now you look back at him. You say, wait till you see me next week. Tell them. Say, wait till you see me next week. Look back at him and say, Why? Look back and say, because I get an extra hour of sleep next week. Come on now. Who's excited about that? Some people love time change. Some people hate time change. But you want to mark your calendar. It happens next week. I walked in here just a while ago, and, and uh, I haven't seen my little girl. She was dressed up here on the front row. I haven't seen her yet this morning. And I just, I'm just like in cuteness overload right now. So I, I'm just going to be a daddy right now. I got to show you this little chick here. Come here. Sadie, come here, honey. Come here. Let me show everybody. Come here. Show them your outfit. Come here. Come here. O-M-G. Look at this. Come here. Come on. Let's go say hi to everybody. Look here. All right, you want to wave at everybody? Say hi to them. Say hi. Say hi. Tell everybody whose girl are you? Whose girl are you? Daddy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. I just want to show you off. You know why I get to do that? Because I got the microphone. Okay, awesome. Great. So come on, walk back over here to mom. I'll let you jump off the stage and grab her. I'm just sorry about that. I had a dad moment. You know, I, I couldn't put it on Facebook or Instagram, so I just figured I'd bring her up here and show you guys. But anyway, uh, man, we're really excited about this series. It's been a good series. If you're interested in the supernatural stuff, we thought about October would be an awesome series to kick that off because all the spooky stuff that happens and Halloween and everything that happens in October. And, and if you missed that and you want to take a look at it, we'd love for you to download our app. Go check it out. Uh, get online back on our website. Love for you to check it out. We kicked off talking about angels. If you're interested in the angels, want to know when you die, do you become an angel? You know, do you have a guardian angel? Do you get wings when you, when, when you die and go to heaven? Things like that. Things about angels, how they were created. I would encourage you to go and download that and watch it. Um, last week we talked about Satan and demons. How, how did Satan become Satan? And, and where do all these demons come from? And the demonic forces that we face and the spiritual warfare that we're in. We talked about that last week. So if that intrigues you in any form of fashion, we'd love for you also to download it as well. And today we're going to end this series talking
talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, the reality is in the next 35 minutes, I can't really tell you everything you need to know about the Holy Spirit. In fact, when I was going over and prepared the message, uh, I actually had to cut about half of it out. I should have did a part two of the Holy Spirit, one today and one next week. Um, but we're really excited about this series we're kicking off, talking about how do we listen and how do we hear from God and God speak to our lives in the month of November. So really excited. So we're, we're going to focus on a few things today that I think that I think are essential that we need to know about the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of things we can talk about. Obviously, you're, gonna, you're not going to do the whole doctrine of the Holy Spirit in a 30-minute talk, but I think I'll give you some information to at least, you know, spur you to go and study in your Bible and ask some questions this week in your, in your small groups. We have small groups that meet throughout the week, and, and I really encourage you, if you're, if you're not in a small group, jump in one, and, and if you want to lead one, we'll figure out how to get you prepared to leave it, but really most of the groups go through sermon content, so this week you'll be taking what I'm preaching this tonight, I mean, to this morning, and you will break that down, and you'll talk about it in a way with your friends and talk through it. So it's a great time to have Bible study and, and talk through that stuff. So I encourage you, if you're not in a group, maybe get in one because I'm telling you what, there's a lot of great things can happen through the group. So if you're ready to get started, so let's go. I'm, I got a lot of cover. I'm going to speak really fast. You better listen good and take some good notes because I got so much that I want to go over when it comes to the Holy Spirit. So one of the questions I want to ask is, what's the role of the Holy Spirit today in our lives? And there's so many things we can talk about. There's so many things that we can focus on. We can focus on how the Holy Spirit is our comforter. We can talk about how the Holy Spirit is our teacher. We can talk about how the Holy Spirit testifies to the truth of the Word of God. We can talk about how the Holy Spirit guides our life. You ever thought like, how did I end up to this certain place? But it's the Spirit of God that guides us wherever we, we, we go. We could talk about how the Spirit of God intercedes for us and prays for us on our behalf. We could focus on that. We could talk about how the Spirit of God draws us to the Father, draws us to Jesus. We could talk about how the Holy Spirit comforts us because Jesus says he's a comforter. The Bible says he's a comforter. When we need comfort in our lives, the Holy Spirit is there to comfort us. And we could talk about how the Holy Spirit convicts us. When we, when we sin or when we mess up or something happens in our life, or maybe today the Lord will, will prick your heart with something and you're like, ah, oh, man, I need to work on that. That's the Holy Spirit of God moving and convicting you in your life. But today I really want to focus on these four things that I think is very important. These are basic ones, but I think some of them needs to be clarified just to make sure that we're on the same page when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I want to be honest with you. I don't know everything there is about the Holy Spirit. I don't know everything there is about supernatural stuff that takes a place. I know a little bit what the Bible tells us. There's some that we don't know. There's some that we never know. And watch this. That's okay. It's okay that we don't have this, everything figured out. But there's some things I think the Scripture wants us to see, especially when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Today, I'm not here trying to defend uh, the Trinity, that we, we believe that the Holy Spirit is God. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We, we believe that, and, and that it's one God and three distinct persons, but they're all fully God, and, and we believe that. That's another whole topic we could talk about. I'm, I'm coming with the assumption that you're believing in faith that the Holy Spirit is God and how the Holy Spirit works through our lives. And for that to happen, there's a few things that I just want to share with you uh, as we walk through the text today, as we walk through the Bible day. Here's the first thing if you're taking notes. The Holy Spirit regenerates me. Now this is very important to know. The Holy Spirit of God is what wakens me up. It regenerates me, right? When you think of a battery, when a battery dies, what do you do? You regenerate it. You jumpstart the battery. It's the Holy Spirit of God that jumpstarts you, that wakes you up, that, that allows you to what you know, the, what John says in John 3, to be born again. It, it, it opens your eyes. I'm going to show you this in John chapter 3, verse 6. 
It says humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. This is to regenerate you. This is to wake you up. This is to place you in the family of God. Of course, you know who he's talking to, Nicodemus, and he says, wait, 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 how can I be born again? I can't go back into my mom's womb and to be born again. He's like, no, no, you don't understand. Humans give birth to humans, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. Verse 7, so don't be surprised when I say that you must be born again. See, every one of us in here have been born once from physical, from flesh, but we're to be born again in the spirit. We're to be born again into God's family. And it says this, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from, from the same or where it's going. So you can't explain, you can't, how people are born of the spirit. So I'm not going to try to explain that <laughs> because the Bible says you can't even explain it, right? You don't really fathom and don't understand how the spirit moves in our life, wakens us up, we give our lives to Jesus, we repent of our sin, and now he gives us the energy and now he comforts us and speaks to us and guides us and leads us and testifies to the truth and, and, and convicts us of our life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God regenerated you. On September the 2nd, 1997, my life was regenerated just like that. How did that happen? Because the Spirit of God woke me up. And so if you're here this morning, just like last week, we had 13 people give their life to Jesus. Why? Because the Spirit of God woke them up. It regenerated their heart. They opened their eyes so they see and they responded to the gospel. So the Holy Spirit comes in our lives and it wakens us up. We were spiritually dead, but now we are spiritually alive. Here's the second thing the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit seals me. I love this one. Man, this is so, so good. I, I mean, I've studied on so much of, of this. The Holy Spirit seals me. So I want you to just, just walk through this. When I give my life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit wakens me up. It, it, it makes me born again. It, 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 it takes something dead and, and makes it come to life. And at that very moment when the Spirit of God, when, when it saves me, also seals me. Now, you know what a seal is, right? You've seen a seal. And it's probably not the seal you and I think about. It's kind of like the old school seals where they would take a wax, you remember, and they burn wax onto an envelope. And then they put a, a ring or a signet ring and they press on it. It's been marked by Rome. It's been marked by something. And whatever your family crest may have been, you've marked it, which means ownership. It means protection. It means that it's sealed. And it's fascinating because in Ephesians chapter 1, I want you to look with me what Paul writes. This is so good for so many people. Sometimes they doubt their salvation or am I really saved and you know will I continue to be saved and, or can I lose my salvation once I am saved this is the phenomenal passage to talk through that in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 it says this and you he's talking to Gentiles here also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth the gospel of your salvation when you believed you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit. I want you to leave that verse up just for a moment because I want to walk you through this. It says that we were included in Christ. We talked about this last series, right? When we give our life to Jesus, we are now placed in the family of God. We are now in Christ. Over 150 times it says in Christ. You are in Christ. How did I get in Christ? When I heard the message. See, faith comes from hearing and hearing what? The Word of God. I showed up. I heard the Word of God. The Holy Spirit activated me. And guess what happens? And then it says, I believed. And the moment that I believed, watch this, I was marked, I was sealed with the Holy Spirit of God, which is a promise. What promise? Verse 14. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance 
until the redemption of those who are God's possession. We learned about that last series, remember? To the praise of his glory. Oh my goodness, this is so good. The Holy Spirit seals me. Think of a padlock. Once you locked it, it's locked. It's a deposit. What's a deposit? I'm going to put something down, a deposit, because I'm going to come back and get it. I want you to hold it for me. God says this, I sent the Holy Spirit to indwell you, to live in you as a deposit, guaranteeing I will come back to get you. Guaranteeing I will fulfill what I started in your life. Folks, that is fascinating. And that seal is God's seal. It's the same word he says, I've sealed my son. We have the same ownership, the same protection, the same thing that Jesus has, we have because we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And what I think so fascinating about this is that he guarantees our salvation. This is so fascinating. He guarantees our salvation with his own existence. <laughs> God puts himself down as the down payment. As surely as, look, as surely as God lives, you will live too. As surely as God lives, you will never lose your salvation. God puts his own self as the down payment to guarantee your salvation. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but someone should have shouted amen right then. Because that's good news. That's shouting noise for us who are believers and put our faith and trust Jesus. That I am so secure in Christ that God guarantees it on his own existence. Now, this is the doctrine of the security of the believer, which is not worth focusing on today. That's a whole other message. But the reality is this. Even when I'm faithless, he's still faithful. He is still faithful even when I am faithless. And then here's the third one. You're like, Pastor, you only have four. We're moving quick because this is the one I want to spend the most time on. And that is that the Holy Spirit baptizes me. That the Holy Spirit baptizes me. And the truth is, this truth right here has caused more debates and more division in the body of Christ than really honest that I've ever seen. That this truth right here, that the Holy Spirit baptizes me. You see, in the Old Testament, before the Spirit of God moved and come on us in Acts chapter 2, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was sent and would come upon people. God would use them greatly because the Holy Spirit infused them and empowered them. And then the Holy Spirit would leave them. And it happened at various times when God had an important task that he wanted to accomplish by us. And so the Spirit would come upon them, and they would use them greatly, then the Spirit would come off of them. And Joel prophesies in Joel chapter 2 that someday God would send His Spirit upon His people, and they would indwell His people. You see, in the Old Testament, God's presence dwelled in man-made things, right? The temple. But now in the New Testament, the New Covenant, the Bible says we are the temple of God. Which means the Holy Spirit, when I give my life to the Holy Spirit, listen, He lives within me. The truth is this morning, you didn't get up and go to church. The truth is you got up this morning and brought church to a building. Because the people of God are the church of God, not a building. God don't dwell in man-made things. God dwells within his people. And remember, this is another whole thing. Someday God's going to come and take his people from this place. It's called the rapture, right? He's going to take his people and his presence will not be here. Is that going to be crazy? It's going to be a crazy time. But he now comes and lives within us. And then we see that Jesus says, I'm going to send you a helper, an advocate, the Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 5, verse 1, I want you to see this on the screen. I want you to look what it says. Jesus says, John baptized you with water. We just experienced that, right? People are baptized. 
they die to their old self, they're raised to walk in a new life now. They're identifying in water baptism, the water grave with Jesus. They died and they came back to life. They have been what regenerated. So we believe it's a picture, it's a symbol. He says, John baptized you with water because you were baptized by the people of the teachings that you followed. It's the way you identify with them. He says, but I'm going to, now look what he says. But just in a few days, we'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? What does it mean to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? Jesus says, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Oh, what is that? I mean, come on, that, that, that sounds pretty crazy, right? I mean, pretty, that's pretty cool, I guess. Also, well, what does it mean to be baptized with the Spirit? So here's what I'm going to do for the next few moments. There's two questions I want to answer. I want to, I want to answer this question. What does it mean to be baptized by the Holy Spirit? And then I want to address this question. Is there a second baptism of the Holy Spirit that millions of believers today have claimed they have experienced? Those are the two questions we're going to ask today. So if that stuff intrigues you, I just want you to lean in a little bit because we're going to walk through what does that look like today. And there's two things that we, two ways that we limit the view of God when it comes to the Spirit of God. One, we say He can't do it that way. And two, we say He only does it this way. And anytime you say, God can't do it that way, and you put it in a box, or God only does it this way, you better watch out because God's going to show you something different. You know, I think about this. Y'all remember Jesus is on his mission, and he healed people all the time, but he healed blind people all the time. I don't know if you noticed this. And he went up to one blind person, and he touched him, and he healed him. He went to the next blind person. He spit, up, spit in their face, and it healed them. He went to another one. He made mud pies. Y'all remember he made mud pies, and he healed them. They all got healed, but there were different ways that he did it. Could you imagine those three guys now trying to start a ministry? We don't believe in the spitting ministry over here. We believe in the mud ministry because the mud's what really heals the people's eyes. Right? And you got the other one just touch them. We're so sanitary over here. We, don't, we think spitting's nasty. So we just touch people and they're healed. Could you imagine three different denominations right there based on the application of how you heal the blind people? When the result, they just got healed. So I want you to understand, don't put God in a box that he can't do it a certain way or any way. He can do it any way that he wants to do it. So what do we know about baptism of the Spirit? Here's the key verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. This is the key verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Listen to what the Bible says. This is very important. For in one Spirit, we were all baptized in the Spirit into one body. Now, I want to walk you through this verse right here. We're going to walk through this together because this is very important. The Holy Spirit wakes me up. The Holy Spirit seals me. The Holy Spirit baptizes me. And I got one more here at the end. And baptizes me. Why is this important and why should we know this? So I want to walk you through this so we'll just make sure we're on the same page. This is so fascinating right here. Every believer, every believer has been baptized in the Spirit. Every one of them. Every single, doesn't matter your nationality, doesn't matter where, where, where continent you're from. We have people right now watching online from Kenya. And then if they're baptized, they give their life to Jesus, no matter where you're from, every believer has been baptized in the Spirit. Look what it says in, in this verse. For we, which is plural, which includes us, were all, you know what the Greek word is for all? All. It's crazy. All of us. Every single person who put their faith in Jesus have been baptized in the Spirit into one body. 
Here's something else you need to know this. It's a one-time event occurring at the moment of salvation. This is a one-time event at the moment of salvation. Look what he says. We were all baptized. Now, you need to know something about your pastor. Honestly, I'm really not good at grammar. I'm not really good at all at grammar, at all. I mean, just grammar, not good. I do know this, though. ED means past tense, right? I do know that. So I want you to understand this. We all have been baptized, which is past tense, which means it's already happened. It was a one-time event that happened in your life. And it happened at the moment that you gave your life to Jesus. The moment that you get saved, the Holy Spirit regenerates you, wakes you up, and dwells you and seals you with the promise from God that He will do what He said He would do in your life. And at that very moment, you have been baptized in the Spirit. There's no installments of the Holy Spirit as you grow. You get all of the Holy Spirit the moment that you're saved. All of it. Every bit of it. He comes and lives in you. It's not like you start reading your Bible, I'm going to give you five more percent of the Spirit of God in your life. You go to church and it's cold outside, you get eight more percent of the Spirit of God in your life. You start serving, that's worth at least 20%, right? You're going to get more. You tithe, you got all the Holy Ghost. You know what I'm saying? You get all of it. Right? See, there's not installments of the Holy Spirit in your life. The very moment that you're saved, the very moment the Holy Spirit infuses you and indwells you and come lives in your life. You see, being baptized in the Spirit then is not a result of deserving it because of my actions. It's not a result of me emotionally wanting it. It is a gift of God's grace that he baptized him. Baptized into what though? Look at the rest of the verse. We were, past tense, all, every single believer, baptized an event, one event, past tense, into what? Into the family of God. We were all baptized into the family of God the moment that we were saved. The moment I, September the 2nd, 1997, I gave my life to Jesus. He regenerated me. He's indwelled me. He sealed me. And at that very moment, he baptized me into the family of God. He placed me into the family of God in Christ at the very moment that I believed. At the very moment that I believed. Baptism in the Holy Spirit or of the Holy Spirit is not a term that any of the New Testament writers would have said or identified with post-conversion after you have been saved. It all happened at the very moment that you gave your life to Jesus. This is a universal experience for every single believer. And nowhere in the Bible, please hear me, are we commanded to desire it, to seek it, to pray for it or to achieve it. Why? Because you already have it. You already have it. You have already received it. So be very careful when people say to you, I have more of God's spirit and I think you need some more of it. Be very careful when people say, let me show you how you can get more of God. Get more of God's spirit. It doesn't mean that they're a mean person. It just means they may just misunderstand what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. 
Because the question is not how much of the Spirit do I have. The real question is, is how much does the Holy Spirit have of me? That's the real question. Am I fully surrendered? It's not that I just need more of the Holy Spirit. I got the Holy Spirit. But how much does he have of me? Because there's so many of us, we want to hold on to things in our life. We want to compartmentalize our life. Holy Spirit, you have your way. And when I'm at church, don't talk to me at work. Don't tell me how to run my finances. I'll do what I want to do, date who I want to date, do, go to the place I want to go. I don't want you to control me. Just control me at church when I come here and get like the holy goosebumps. And I can hold my hand and I can sing. But don't talk to me on Monday and Tuesday. Let me run my life. See, how much does the Holy Spirit have of you is really the question we should be asking. So, where did this post-conversion second experience or second baptism of the Holy Spirit come from? That millions of believers today have experienced. Like, where, where do we get this from? Well, around 1901, uh, a holiness movement began. And in this holiness mo- movement, two things really emerged from it. And what this holiness movement began to do, and I think they had good intentions. I, I, I would assume their heart was pure. I don't know them, so I can't go back and say that. But something happened in this very movement started in 1901. And what happened was the church started to divide in itself in two different class of Christians. You had the ordinary Christians, but then you had the sanctified Christians. And at this very moment, the body now has been divided in, are you an ordinary believer or are you a sanctified believer? Are you an ordinary Christian or have you been spirit-baptized Christian? And there's so much wrong with that. One, it brings so much division in the body. It divides. It makes two different classes of people. It makes those who have been sanctified in the Spirit or second baptism of the Spirit better than you. I have something you don't have, and boy, you knew what I got. Because I'm a higher class Christian than you because you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so this movement begun and has certainly even to this day that we have two types of people walk around. Are you spirit-filled? Well, I'm spirit-filled. Well, you're not spirit-filled. You need to get spirit-filled. How do I get spirit-filled? I don't know. Let me lay hands on him. We'll figure out how to do this. And we divided the body with these two types and two different class of Christians through these different types of denomination and movement. But I'm here to tell you, Paul and Peter never looked at a church that was messed up. Paul and Peter never wrote to the church and said, let me tell you the problem with the church. The problem with you is that you haven't received the second baptism, Timothy. And if you would receive the second baptism, man, it's going to straighten you up. Paul never wrote that. Peter never wrote that. Jesus, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, writes to the seven churches. Never one time he says, let me tell you the problem with you, church. If you all would just become sanctified believers, if you just get like the second baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you what, you guys can change Rome. Y'all need to go for it. Nowhere will you ever see this post-conversion, second baptism, of the Holy Spirit. Then what do you do with millions of believers who have experienced this? What do you do? Let me just, I'm just going to share my, for me. There are times in my life that I, my, I'm dry and I'm not growing and I feel stuck and I feel stagnant. And then all of a sudden I have a moment where it's like I just exponentially grew 
and my faith exponentially grew as a Christian, exponentially grew as a believer. And man, I'm like, oh my, I mean, I mean, you're like, fire, like, whoa, what is this? And then over time, guess what happens? You get plateaued again. And like, man, I feel stuck. I don't feel like I'm growing. I, 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 need, I need something to change. I need something to happen in my life. And then all of a sudden, an exponential growth comes. Or I've, I've done something or something's happened. And, and all of a sudden, I, I feel more powered. And, and I, I feel like I've grown in my wisdom or, or knowledge and my walk within the Lord. I don't know about you, but mine's like that teeter-tot up and down, up and down. How do I explain that experience? Because I've experienced those moments of highs, like, and I've moved in my own life. And here's what I'd like to suggest to you this morning. I would like to suggest to you that people confuse the second baptism of the Holy Spirit with being filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're two different things. And I, I, want, I, I want to suggest to you the confusion has come with the terminology. The confusion has come with second baptism getting confused with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Where do you get this from? Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to show you this real quick. Ephesians chapter 5. Let's walk through this. Look what Paul says, which leads me to my final point. The Holy Spirit fills me. The Holy Spirit fills me. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. Now we all know what it means to be drunk, right? To be intoxicated, to be drunk means that I, I've yielded my body to a substance that completely takes over me. I can't think. It takes over my mind. It takes over my will. It takes over my actions. I'm completely what? Intoxicated. I've I yielded myself to a substance that I have no idea what I'm doing. Paul says, don't be like that. Don't get drunk. Don't yield yourself to a substance. Don't be intoxicated with wine. But look what he says. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That you're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's what he's saying. It's a, it's a word picture. And the same way someone's intoxicated by a substance and gets drunk, and the same way be intoxicated, be filled, be controlled by the Holy Spirit that will control your mind, control your actions, control your thoughts. There's, a, there's a, not a problem. But until you look at that word filled, you don't know exactly how, how do I do that? And what does that word filled mean? And we don't really see it in the English translation. But when you take that Greek word filled, and I've done all my research on this, trying to figure out how does it to be filled with the Spirit of God. And I want to share with you what that one verse, that one word means. That one word filled, watch this, it's plural. Again, I'm not too good at grammar, but I know plural means more than one. <laughs> right? In fact, plural means all. So every single Christian can be filled with the Spirit. It's not singular. It's not, well, you've got it, you've got it, and you've got it, and you definitely ain't going to got it. You, you don't get it all. It's not that. It's all of us. So it's plural. It's in the present tense. Present tense doesn't mean it's happened. It means it's happening. It means it's a constant filling. How, what, that, how do I do that? It's a constant filling. It's a repeated action. It means I could be filled up today and I could be filled up tomorrow and then I cannot be the next day because of something I'm doing in my life. 
It's a repeated action. It's in the present tense. It's in the passive voice. What does it mean to be in a passive voice? It implies that it means something is being done to me and I don't do it myself. Passive voice means this, that it's being done to me. I don't fill myself up. I'm going to fill myself up emotionally. I'm going to fill myself up. I can't fill myself up. It's being done to me. So when you think about the feeling, the feeling is it's plural, which means all of us who are Christians can be filled with the Spirit. It could happen every day of your life, be filled with the Spirit, and it means that God is doing it to me. It's not not do on my own. It's done to me. I can't even give it to you. No man can give it to you. God fills you constantly. And then, this is very fascinating, it's also an imperative. An imperative is a command. Every single Christian on the planet has been commanded by God to be filled with the Spirit. How do you do that? How does that even happen in our lives? What are some of the signs? Oh, man. I got so much here. I'm going to have to cut some out. What are some of the signs of the filling of the Holy Spirit? Well, let me tell you what it's not. It's not emotionalism. It's not this exceptional ability to be a super saint in your life. It's not personal charisma. It's not speaking in tongues. Because there's a teaching that goes and says that the only way that you ever know you're filled with the Spirit is that you speak in tongues. And if you don't speak in tongues, then you don't have the Spirit of God in you. I think they have a good heart. I think they have good intentions. They have really bad theology. Because I know a lot of people who love Jesus, godly people who don't speak in tongues. So that's not the sign of the Holy Spirit that's in your life. There are false teachings that will tell you that if you're filled with the Spirit, if you're baptized again with the Spirit, you'll be free from problems. You'll be totally free from temptation. In fact, there's one sect that moves that says you'll live in a sinless perfection. You will never sin again. Man, I met one of those people. It was in 1998 on the campus of Morris State University that looked at me and said, I have not sinned since, like, I can't remember exactly the date, but go with me. It was like January the 2nd, 1986. I was like, yes, you did. You just sinned just then because you lied to me, bro. That's what I told him. So I told him. It didn't go well. <laughs> I was young, stupid. I didn't have care. But see, when you're baptized in the Spirit that happens at salvation, God gives you at least one gift of the Spirit. Every believer at least has one gift. And you can write these verses down. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Peter 4 talks about these gifts. And every believer has at least one gift. But the fact is you can't evaluate spiritual maturity on spiritual gifting. The Corinthians church had all the gifts, and they were the most immature church. That's why Paul was writing to them. And just because you don't have a certain gift doesn't mean that you are not mature. See, that's one of the biggest lies I think the enemy wants to do. He wants you to want other people's gifts. Take your eyes off of you and want what other people have. And you think less of yourself because you don't have their gift. Or there's some Christians who think because they have a gift that they're holier than everybody else. But the reality is only God gives the gifts, not man. I can't give you a gift. 
God gives you the spiritual gifts. Then so then what is the signs of being filled with the Spirit? And here's the reality. Most people want to focus on the tools, the gifts, versus the harvest, which is the fruit. And so many people, when they get caught up in all this, they want to focus on gifts, gifts, gifts. But look at the harvest. Because it's the harvest that's going to tell you if I'm walking in the Spirit or not. What are some of the harvest? Remember the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We can go on and on and on. These, if this is coming from your life, think about this. When love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faith and what just gentleness, self-control. When that's coming from my life, that's evident fruit in my life that I am walking in the Spirit. Evident. You can test yourself. Am I walking in the Spirit? And then there's the power of the Spirit. Go back to Acts chapter 1 real quick, verse 5. John will baptize you with water, but just in a few days I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, you will receive the Spirit of God and you'll be, have power and you'll be my witness into all world. What happens in Acts chapter 2? Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, it's the birth of the church. The Holy Spirit comes, breaks out, power goes everywhere. People begin to speak in a language and other people heard it in their native tongue. That's crazy. That'd be like, if you can't speak English, but you speak another language, I'm preaching right now, you will hear me in your language, but I ain't speaking your language. That's what happened at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came in power infused, watch this, the birth of the church. And that's what Acts 1.5 says was the baptism of the Spirit, which meant when they were placed in what? The body of Christ, because the church just started. That's what happened. But then there's something fascinating. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Peter was filled in with the Holy Spirit. Oh my gosh. I thought he was baptized in the Spirit. That's what happened in Acts chapter 2. Look at Acts 4.31. Look what it says. They had a big prayer meeting. Look what it says. The meeting place shook. And they were all filled. Who? All. Not just the holy, holy ones. Everybody there were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they preached the word of God with boldness. All of them were filled. They were just baptized. See, there's a difference. And I want to suggest to you today that there is one baptism of the Spirit, as Paul writes 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that happens at salvation. But then there's constant fillings of the Spirit of God that happens all the way through the New Testament and through our lives today. That I believe that someone has been misled to be what they call a second baptism. Because it's constant and it can happen over and over and over. So what are the signs? Go back to Ephesians 5, 19. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourself, making music to the Lord in your heart. So there's joy in my heart. That's a sign I'm being filled with the Spirit. Giving thanks for everything in God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's thanksgiving that comes from my life. Verse 21. And furthermore, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So there's submissiveness. There's a submissive spirit. And the only way you can submit to someone is like, your will be done, not mine. I'm going to put you before me. And when I am filled with joy and thanksgiving and have a spirit of submissiveness and not a pride of arrogance makes it about me, then guess what? I will be filled with the Spirit. And even you can take that word filled and think about being controlled. It's not, am I filled even more of the Spirit, but am I being controlled by the Spirit? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to control me? How do I do that? Let me share with you really quickly. One, be baptized in the Spirit. How do I do that? Give your life to Jesus today. 
give your life to Jesus today. And at that very moment, if the Holy Spirit right now is working in your heart, convicting you, he's, regen- he's opening your eyes to see the truth. And the moment you give your life to Jesus, he will seal you. He will baptize you into the family of God instantly, instantly in your life. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 tells you that's what happens. And then he'll give you a gift, a spiritual gift, that you may have to discover and cultivate what that gift is in your life. But if you want to be filled with the Spirit, you first need to be baptized in the Spirit. And that happens at salvation. And then the second one is to yield to the Spirit. And this is how you really are filled, is that you yield to the Spirit of God. Look what Paul says in Galatians 2.20. What if we could get to this every single day of our life? It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I died to myself. I denied myself, and I no longer live, but Christ lives. Imagine every single day of your life, yielding your life to the Spirit. Holy Spirit, today is your day. What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to? Where do you want me to go? I'm going to yield my life to you. Because here's the reality. Yielding leads to filling. And when you yield, you will be filled with the Spirit of God. And it's a constant daily filling, which means this. Watch this. There's times in my life I don't yield. And there's times in your life you don't yield. Like, man, I just don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just not yielding. I'm giving it to the flesh. I'm doing all this. I'm giving all this stuff. Then all of a sudden you come and God will open up your eyes. And God, what I've been thinking, you repent, you turn from your sin. And all of a sudden you feel like, oh, 100 pounds are lifted off of you. And I feel great because now God's going to do great things again in my life. Guess what? I'm being filled. I'm being filled. When you yield, you're filled. I'm asking people to bow your heads. I know that's a lot. I cut 30 minutes out of it too. I went even over. It's a lot. But I just want to bring some clarity on, I think, where the enemy wants to bring confusion. And so if you're here today, I hope we took one step closer and learned a little bit more about the Holy Spirit in your life. That He loves you, that He draws you, and He comforts you, and He convicts you, and He loves you, and He helps you, and He your advocate for and he prays for you and prays through you and I don't know exactly what the Lord wanted to speak specifically to you but I just hope your heart is open your mind is open say Lord speak to me and maybe what the Lord has said today through the worship through the preaching through witnessing people being baptized and things like that maybe he said it's time for you to give your life to him And if that's you today, I want you to know, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says if we will confess with the mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And so if that's you today, you can pray with me. Saying a prayer don't save you, but your lips can proclaim what your heart declares. And if your heart declares that Jesus Christ is Lord, to say, Jesus, I believe you're Lord. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today, as best as I know how, I'm giving my life to you. I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Thank you so much for placing me in the family of God. Now help me live for you all the days of my life. And if that's you, listen, we want to celebrate with you. We have a gift we want to give you, some resource to help you get started. And all you got to do is 
front of you is a card. You can take it to the red room, or as soon as it's over, run to the red room and say, hey, listen, I just want to let somebody know I gave my life to Jesus. We have some things we want to help you and give you. That's a great, great day for you. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. We're going to pray, and we'll be dismissed. God, thank you so much for everything you're doing in our life. Thank you, Lord, for this series of teaching us the supernatural things, just walking through your word, helping us understand. Holy Spirit, we're so thankful that you're in this place, that you move in our lives, that, God, that you fill us with your spirit. And, God, I pray as we yield to the spirit of God, that, Lord, that you would fill us constantly and call us to do great things. We love you, Jesus. Here then we ask and pray. Thank you for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. You can let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app, available on any major platform. Lastly, if you're interested in supporting what God is doing in this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church slash give now. We're praying that you have a great week and we hope to see you again soon.